98, Brother John, I messed up. I love you. Praise the Lord. He's still driving to church. That says a lot, not just about his desire, but uh, constitution. (laughs) God has endowed that man with a very strong constitution. And I'm, I'm grateful that he's with us. If you are able to stand, we're going to look at one verse as we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. If you have been here, if you are paying attention at all on the Wednesday, Sunday mornings, we are going through Matthew. I have skipped a couple parables. <clears throat> I believe the previous two parables have, they tie in with the, uh, the wheat and the tare parable. I want to zero in on verse 44 here. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath. And buyeth that field. One verse, but there's a lot in it. So, Terry, you're over in a different location. It is. (laughs) It's throwing me off. (laughs) I feel like I got to preach this way now. All right. I am very glad. I see visitors with us, I see folks that I haven't seen in a while. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you bless the service this morning. We ask that the Spirit of God would help your people. And Lord, I admit, not just publicly, but privately, I cannot do this without you. I pray that uh, when all is said and done here, and as people get in their cars and head home or head to lunch somewhere, that they'd be able to testify that the Lord was there. And so, Father, we need your presence. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to work in our midst. Bless the special music. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, fellas. You know, it's amazing how much the Lord can say in so few words. We, we read one verse here, and I will not exhaust it. But uh, I want to review in your mind this, little, this story that the Lord shares with us in this one verse. And I want you to try to visualize this with me, if you would. And I think I could do it this way. If any of you are familiar with history at all, uh, of course, uh, the San Francisco has a professional football team called What? Okay, how many of you know why they have that name? Would you raise your hand? Okay, now how many of you would be honest enough to say, I have no idea why they call themselves the 49ers? Would you raise your hand? Okay, great, let me help you. Because there was a time I had no idea. 49ers, I mean, that's a weird name. What, what, what's that all about? Here's the reason they chose that name, okay? In 1848, in 1848, in Sutter's Mill, uh, this old farmer uh, had set up shop there, and 
a man that worked for him by the last name of Marshall, was uh, uh, getting some water, and he saw some flecks of gold near Sutter's Mill. And he told back and told uh, he came back and told uh, Mr. Sutter about that. And uh, to make the long story short, the seven hundred fifty thousand tons of gold had been taken out of California when all is said and done. That's a lot of gold. Now, <clears throat> it didn't take long for word to spread all the way back to the east in 1848. It didn't take long for it to spread that there's gold in California. And a man can get rich just walking through the wood. I mean, there was all kinds of fables as well. Now, a lot of people went broke, but a lot of people... So many people left the east and fled west to California in 1849, they became known as the 49ers, and they settled the area. And so those in California that know their history, they understand that, and now you do too. So what we had, though, were people who sold everything for treasure in the field. For, tre- for hopeful treasure in the field. And some of them did strike it rich. Many of them did not. In this story, the Lord Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who found treasure in a field. So here he is. He wants you to get this visual. He wants you to get this visual of this guy just traversing the woods or the, a field. He looks down and he sees some glitter, and and we'll say it was gold. And he digs around in the dirt and he pulls it up, and wow, puts it in his pocket. He looks at this field. He goes home. He gathers all of his properties. He accumulates the price. He sells everything he has to have the money he needs to buy that field. Once he sells it all, he goes to whoever owned the field and he buys the field. He's got treasure. Now here's the thing. Did he buy that? Did he spend everything he had primarily for the field or for the treasure? For the treasure. Most likely there was more field than there was treasure. Hello? I reckon to the natural eye, and apparently it was to the previous owner. It's just a field. Doesn't mean much to me. Weeds, dirt, rocks, bugs. Sure, I'll take your money. Yeah, here you go. Do you think this fella ever, as he began to mine his field... Do you think he ever 
Let the weeds, the bugs, the rocks, the dirt bother him. At least to the degree that he thought, this isn't worth it. Not in this story. Apparently, the treasure outweighed the field. And this guy sold it all. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven's like that. It's like that. So, you know, because he, he, I'm sure as he was digging, removing dirt, sweating, getting calluses on his hands, maybe his back's getting a little sore, and maybe he's won a few hours and not seen any gold. Maybe he's won a few days. But he keeps at it. Because he sold everything, not for the dirt and the rocks and the weeds and the bugs and mosquitoes. But for the treasure, the potential of the field. Are you ahead of me? I figured you would. Let's just wrap it up and go home. You know, what if, what if in portions of the field, man, the ground was like just rock-hard clay? Oh, back-breaking work. I mean, he's going to need a chisel, maybe a, 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 a sledgehammer to bust through that. But he's not going to give up on it because... His mind isn't on the rocks. His mind isn't on the dirt. His mind isn't on the bugs that he keeps swatting away. His mind isn't on the weeds. His mind is on the treasure. The treasure that he possesses and the treasure that is still there. Let's consider this. As believers, you and I have been bought with a price. That's what the Bible says. And I think we just heard a song about the price of redemption. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's kind of like, like selling all. Because guess what, child of God? When He redeemed you, He redeemed your whole body. Yes, even the earthen vessel. All of it. That's why He says, glorify God in your body, which is not your own. That's what the Lord says. You say, well, I didn't read the fine print. Are you telling me you would take it back if you could? You only have one option. If you don't pay for your redemption, or if he doesn't pay for your redemption, you have to. And the only way you and I can pay for it is dying. But the way we would have to pay for it is eternally in hell. That's how I'd have to pay for my sins. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin hath left a filthy stain, but his blood washed it white as snow. So... I've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. The treasure. By the way, he purchased the whole planet with his blood. It's his. Are there weeds? 
Are there bugs? Are there rocks? Is there hard ground? I don't know about you, but I know there is in my life. But I've learned this. I've learned this from the Bible. I've learned this from experience. You need to know this. You need to grasp this. You need to hold on to this. He paid way too much for you to give up on you just because of your weeds, just because of your bugs, just because of the hard ground and the rocks that are in your life. He's not throwing in the towel for you. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6 that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what he's doing? He is mining in your life. And you know, to find the treasure, sometimes a lot of dirt has to be removed. It's not comfortable. But we can look back and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank God He's in the dirt removal business. And thank God He's in the bug removal. I'm so glad that my bugs don't bother Him. They bother me. Matter of fact, my bugs bother other people, and your bugs bother other people too. That's why they're called bugs. They bug people. The weeds, the dirt, hard pride. Oh, we know best. I'll trust the Lord when I need Him. Hard ground. But some of you, He's broken through, hadn't He? Some of you, He's tilled that up. You say, why? Because if you've called upon Christ to be your Savior, there's treasure in that earthen vessel. And He wants to bring it to the surface. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And what is that purpose? That we might be conformed into the image of His Son. That Christ would be the firstborn in us, among many others. He'd be manifest that other people would be able to get saved. That's treasure. Do you think the difficulty of our field will keep him from mining the treasure? Ask yourself that. How many of you know you're a difficult case? Thank God we have somebody who's purchased the field who knew that when he purchased us. He knew our personalities. He knew all the baggage that we were going to take into this situation, this relationship. He knew all the bugs that were there. He knew the rocks that were there. He knew it all. And he still died for all. All. And... Uh, <clears throat> Boy, he's been mining, and it's coming to the surface. God's grace is evident in many, many people in the house, is it not? I mean, I fellowship with some of you. I'm like, I need more of that. I need to see that. That encourages me. It's a wonderful thing to see the grace of God manifest in somebody's life. It's a treasure. Romans 8, 31 through 39, some of my favorite passages of Scripture when it talks about God's commitment to you and I. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? 
It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, also that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God. Why? Making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. Oh, we're coming to sheep as a slaughter. But nay, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know some of you are checking your Bible to see if I said it right, and I know I messed up a couple words. I think I at least got a B. But that passage emphasizes God's love, His unconditional, His everlasting commitment to you and I as His children. That's good news. I mean, that'll give you reason to shout from here all the way to heaven. Regardless of your hard days. Right there, God hasn't given up on you. I mean, we can go through the Bible. Hey. I heard a voice. When others just see a field, he sees the treasure. Abraham was an idolater before he surrendered to the Lord. God called him out. His name was Abram. Just a man, a married man, unable to have children. And God says, you need to come out. And when he finally comes out, God says, I'm going to bless you with children. I know you haven't been able to have children for some 70 years, but I'm going to bless you with children. Matter of fact, you're going to have so many descendants. Uh, they're going to be like the stars of the sky or the sand of the sea. You're going to have so many descendants. It's, and I'm going to bless those that bless you, Abraham. And Abraham's thinking, I can't have children. Uh, I and Sarah are getting old, getting up in years. And God says, oh, no. I know others see you as just a, just a former idolater, a, a man and wife who can't have children. But I see not just Abram and Sarai, I see Abraham and Sarah, a father of many and a mother of many. That's what I see. I saw treasure in the field. Even, even Abram, when you doubted me and you lied in Egypt, and then you lied to the Philistine king about your wife, Listen, Abram, I saw, that, I saw that field, but I saw the treasure in there too. I saw it when you doubted me, when you lost faith, but I also saw you, Abraham. I saw that gold of faith when it came time for you to give up your son, your only begotten son, and you were willing to give him up for me, and you were willing, you know, almost did it. I saw that it was gold. That's why I blessed you. God did a work in Abraham. Oh, you know, Gideon. See him, he's hiding out. He's fearful. He's threshing wheat behind a wine press. He's not even in a well-ventilated area, and he's threshing wheat. You usually got to do that with a little wind. But he's hiding, and that's when God comes to speak to him, and others would look at him and say, well, I just, well, I would see a man who's fearful there, a fearful farmer is what I'd see, and God says, oh, I see a mighty soldier. A mighty soldier. Matter of fact, he, he and 300 are going to whoop up on an army of over a million. 
That's what God saw. He saw treasure in the field. Oh, then you all know, you know, everybody else saw the shepherd boy. Y'all know that. But what did God see? A king, he saw treasure in the field. Hey, listen, hey, Mary, all this poor virgin gal from Bethlehem. Others just saw her as a poor lady, good lady, probably a trustful lady, but, you know, nothing great's going to come from her. And God says, oh, I see treasure in the field. I see treasure in the field. See, I just want to give you some Bible examples here because, hey, hey, you know, when others saw this fella, Saul, the persecutor who was going after the church, and oh, my mercy, he had the church on its heels. He had the, he had the church running. Oh, and then Jesus, Jesus confronted him on that Damascus road, and he dealt with him. And uh, Hey, listen, while others would have said, and even Ananias said, hey, that man persecutes us. He's nothing but field. He's nothing but weeds. He's nothing but dirt. He's nothing but rocks. That's hard ground. He's bugs. He's a bug to the church, Lord. And the Lord says, yeah, but I see treasure. I see treasure. Treasure in the field. I've died for him just like I died for you. And everybody here has a story, and God is mining you right now, and God wants to pull it to the surface, and he is. Everything in your life has taken place to bring that treasure to the surface. Everything. He's not giving up on you. Others, hey, you may have burned the bridges with others. You haven't with him. You didn't make it. He He did. So, having said that, I'd like to reverse this now. What do you mean? Have you saw the treasure in the field of Christian service? Have you saw the treasure in the field of giving, serving the Lord Jesus with your life? I'm not saying you have to go be a missionary in a foreign country. Why don't you be a missionary right here? Why don't you be a missionary at work? Why don't you be a missionary at home? You see, we're, hey, every Christian is called to full-time Christianity. Are you with me? Every Christian is. So what I'm challenging you, what I'm challenging you about right now is, have you saw the treasure in the field of Christian service? Because God has called his saints to serve, not just sit. There is a time to sit. Mary sat at the Lord's feet for a while. There is a time to sit, but we're called to serve. And if we're not willing to serve, the sitting means nothing. Unfortunately, man, too often, too often, people, people come to church, they get fed, and they get nourished the Word of God, but they don't do anything with it, and they, be, they become bloated Christians overindulging on Bible truth that God spoke to them about, and they love all the novelty at all, but they never get involved, and the day comes, the Bible says the full soul loatheth the honeycomb. They never get involved, and all of a sudden, if there's no new interesting truth, if there's no more novel light that the preachers brought out, it's all boring. I heard that one before. I heard that one before. That's because you're not doing anything. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to get loud. I can't help myself. It's done something to me. See, Moses saw the treasure in the field. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen to this. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect for the recompense of the reward. 
May I testify, this is my crowd. This is my crowd. Right here. Those of us who aren't ashamed of this. Those of us who aren't ashamed of the songs we sang. This is my crowd. Those of us who are excited about talking about our salvation. That's my crowd. I'm just here to tell you. uh, uh, There's treasure here. There's treasure here. But there's also field. No offense, Al, Sue. (laughs) I couldn't help it. I thought, oh, i got to figure this out here. (laughs) But all of us have weeds. All of us have bugs. All of us have rocks. All of us have hard ground to be dealt with. But there's treasure here. There's treasure here. And if you choose, if you choose to get involved in something like in Christian service, face the reality you've got to deal with the field too. That's just part of it. That's just part of it. When David Livingston surrendered his life to go to Africa and give his life for the cause of Christ in Africa, he knew there was a field he had to deal with. He knew that there was lions and tigers, not bears there. There weren't even tigers there. But my brain just runs that way. Ah. But he knew there were all kinds of threats and dangers that he had to face, but there was treasure there. And thousands and thousands of people come to trust Christ as their Savior because of his witness, let alone the geographical, historical help that he brought to England. A man named C.T. Studd gave 10 years of his life in China, 10 years of his life in India, and the rest of his life in Africa. And he was a very, very wealthy man. Gave it all up because he wanted to buy the treasure in the field. We can go over and over. Some, you heard the gospel because somebody invested in the field. And you received Christ. Because somebody was willing to put up with the weeds and put up with the bugs and put up with the hard ground. Somebody was willing to put up with all of that because there was treasure to be found. That's why you heard the gospel. My challenge to you is, are you willing to buy the field? Are you willing to get involved? Hey, listen, I realize health has a determining factor in how much you can do. But it should not have a determining, determining factor in whether you do something or not. Because everybody can pray. And by the way, if you won't pray, you wouldn't do anything else anyways. And by the way, that's what we need first and foremost. We need people to pray because there's a God in heaven who answers prayer. He said, you know, Jesus' one prayer request to you and I is one, his one prayer request. You know, if the Lord Jesus himself come to you and says, hey, I got a prayer request, wouldn't that interest you? I mean, we're always sharing our prayer requests, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the Lord Jesus, he never said, hey, can you pray that I make some more money? Could you pray that I, I could get along with this individual? Could you pray that uh, uh, this situation were No, no, no. You know what's one prayer request? The Lord Jesus' one prayer request is one prayer request. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. For the harvest is ready. You say, but I have tried, preacher, and all I've run into is weeds and bugs and dirt. You give up too soon. You threw in the towel too soon. Aren't you glad he didn't throw in the towel? 
Keep handing out those gospel tracts. Hey, keep walking with the Lord. Keep looking to be a witness. Keep serving. I would challenge you. Hey, we have a bus ministry that needs help. Hey, hey, I love the choir, but we need more folks in the choir. We, have, we need help in, in, in all kinds of areas in our church. But there, hey, listen, if you're not a member of this church, you've, you're a member of another church and you're passing through, I, my challenge to you is get involved in ministry. Get involved. I mean, give yourself to the field. Let's, let's, get some tra- let's reach some people with the gospel. Jim Elliott did. He chose to sell out for the field of Ecuador. And though in his lifetime he did not get a chance to see fruit, because of the price he paid and the way he paid it, there would be a great revival amongst the Indians in Ecuador that he was trying to reach shortly thereafter. And it is he that is famous for this quote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There's a man who understood the treasure is worth the hardship of the field. It's worth it. Would you consider it? You realize we're here, we're, we're uh, let's see, it's 2023, it's uh, 1600. I mean, we're, we're 400 years past the days that our pilgrim forefathers came to this country for the sole purpose, and I don't care what the modern-day versions of history are trying to teach you. You read some old history books. The sole purpose of those pilgrim forefathers that settled this nation was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ here. They bought the field. They wanted freedom of religion. They bought the field. They sold out. They bought the field, and they dealt with the bugs, and they dealt with the dangers, and they dealt with the hard ground. They dealt with the hardship. They experienced great grief. But I'm here to tell you, there was treasure in the field. We're living off a lot of that treasure. Will you pay the price? Are you willing? Listen, I'm just challenging you. Just a little. Go out into the field. There are reasons people give up on that which was once a treasure to them. There are. They get too focused on the weeds and the rocks and the dirt and the bugs. You remember that day? It sounded almost exactly like that. You remember that day? Gentlemen, you remember looking at her thinking, wow, wow. Ladies, you remember looking at him thinking, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and the referee right here, remember him? He said, no punching, kicking, thumbing. He said, I'll call the fight. Remember? Remember when he said those words, for better, for worse? Sickness, health, poverty, wealth. Richer, poor. Till death do us part. Remember those words? He got married. 
That first week was heavenly bliss. And then you notice something stinky from the laundry basket. And then you notice she doesn't cook like your mom. And then you notice, man, he's got a lot of bad hygiene problems. And then you notice she's not as tidy as I thought she was going to be. And you started focusing on the weeds, on the field. And you quit looking at the treasure. Hello? You started staring at the field and you quit looking at the treasure. Oh, you had so many dreams and aspirations right when you said, I do. But boy, as time has progressed, you got your mind on the field, not the treasure. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Well, that happens in marriage, too. Why? Paying more attention to the field. Treasure hadn't changed. Listen, we all have these earthen bodies. The reality is, going into it, deep down you know, hey, we're, as time progresses, there's a, there's a possibility, physical ailments, we're gonna, we could get sick, something could happen, but I'm willing to take that chance. I'm willing to take that chance. Because I love you. And you did. Forsaking all others. Hello. Forsaking all others. For the field. For the treasure in the field. See, that'll keep your marriage going. I remember hearing of a story of a couple that was struggling. They sought marriage counsel, and the counselor said this. I thought, that's a great idea. And I'm not saying this works for everybody, but it worked for them. The counselor said, here's what I want you two to do. I want you to go back and I want you to get your old wedding album and I want you to get any videos of your wedding. I want you to get it out and I want you to spend the evening reflecting and looking at all of your wedding and pre-wedding preparation material and videos. I want you to look at that and I want you to talk about each event. Here's a couple that's about ready to divorce and they, they at least agreed to do that and as they did, their mind went back to the treasure. Went back to the treasure. And in a sense, when they come back to the counselor, they said, I can deal with the field. I want to keep the treasure. See, that can happen in our relationship with Christ. That can happen in our service for the Lord. We get involved in church. Oh, it looks so exciting. There's treasure to be found, opportunity to serve. And then all of a sudden, the people you're working with get difficult. Let me let you in on a little secret. They're sinners. They're just sinners who are saved by grace. Remember, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. This is my story to God be the glory. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And unfortunately, we show it and prove it, don't we? (laughs) But it's a blessing. He never gives up on us. He says, now that's the way I want you to work in my field. That's the way I want you to work in my field. Because there's treasure to be found. Don't give up. 
There's a treasure. Somebody persevered. And you heard the gospel. I hope if you haven't, if you haven't received the gospel, you need to understand there's an extended hand from heaven right now saying, let me be your savior. Because if you don't, you have none. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we love you. Bless our service. Thank you for the word of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let me ask this question. Maybe there's somebody here this morning who'd say, Preacher, I do not even know that I'll go to heaven when I die. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I am not certain that I'll go to heaven. And I'd ask you to pray for me. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. If, you, if that's you, would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody like that? Would you lift your hand? Anybody like that? God bless you. Are there others? Say, preacher, that's me. I don't know that I'll go to heaven, but I'd like to know. Pray for me. Lift your hand so I can see it as I look around. Let me ask this question. Okay, let me ask this question. Maybe the Lord spoke to your heart. And you know personally, you know personally, there's a decision you need to make with the Lord. Maybe you've been letting the field get to you and you forgot the treasure. But today, you want the Lord to know you're going to stay focused on the treasure. And you just say with an uplifted hand, God spoke to my heart and I, I want to testify. Would you raise your hand, anybody like that? All right. And then there's another crowd I'd like to talk to, another group. Maybe, maybe the Lord spoke to you about involvement. I mean getting involved. I don't know what particular area. Maybe you don't either. You just want to do something. And if I can assist you, I will. But there are areas of ministry. And you, this morning, would say, Preacher, the Lord has spoke to my heart about something particular. I know that, and I want to testify that with an uplifted hand. Anybody like that? All right, all right, all right. We're going to have an altar call. You do as the Lord leads. You do as the Lord leads. And by the way, He'll help. He'll help with the weeds and the stones and the bugs and the rocks and the hard ground. He'll help. He can make the field manageable by giving you just enough gold, just enough treasure when you need it. Bless our invitation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.